0: Good morning. We are super glad to see you. Now, in 1987, I was seven years old, and I was walking to school one morning, and I was crossing a street, and I wasn't paying attention, and neither was a car that was coming down the road. And because neither of us were paying attention, I ended up getting hit by that car at seven years old, walking to school. Now, it's okay. I lived, okay? Just so we're clear, I made it. Yeah, I know it's shocking, right? But it was serious. I mean, this guy hit me and he was going pretty fast and I was injured fairly seriously. I've shared that story with you guys before. And so I'm not gonna bother with all the details because in fact, the story today is not really about what happened when I was struck by the car. It's about what happened after. As a result of this accident that I had, I was actually paid an insurance settlement um, because the driver was negligent according to the findings of you know the, the um, investigation and things like that. Now, because I was seven years old, they didn't give me any money. Instead, they took my money and they put it in a trust fund. And it was to sit there until I was 18. And when I turned 18, I was going to be given this particular money. Now, it was a fairly modest sum. Okay, it turned out to be about twenty grand by the time that I uh, turned eighteen, and I'm sure twenty grand is a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money in another sense. I just know that as I grew up, I couldn't wait to get my hands on that money. I was so excited, you know, because I knew it was coming. I knew when I turned eighteen that I was going to get this payout, and my parents always told me, "Danny, you are so lucky. You are going to get to have your college paid for. You don't have to worry about paying for schooling." It's Harvard, 20 grand. I mean, unless you go to Harvard or something, which you're probably not going to do, unless you go somewhere really expensive, then you're going to be fine. You won't have to worry about getting a scholarship or financial aid or taking out loans. Man, I mean, it wasn't great to be hit by a car, but it's worked out pretty good for you, hasn't it? So that was the plan for my money. I was going to use it to pay for college. As you can probably guess, that is not the way things worked out. When I turned 18, I remember the day they deposited that cash into my bank account. Oh, you guys, I felt like the richest person on the planet. 20 grand to an 18-year-old who grew up with absolutely nothing. I mean, it felt like a fortune. And I knew that I was going to use that money for college, but there were a few things that I needed to buy, right? I I had no wheels at the time, so I was like, I've got to buy a car. And so I took a little bit of that money, and I bought a 1997 Dodge Neon. That should have been a red flag that this money was not going to be spent well, you guys. So I bought this car, and then I thought to myself, there's still so much in the bank account. Like, I could go out and buy a bunch of new clothes, and so I went out and bought a bunch of new clothes, and I thought, there's still so much money in the bank account. I should go celebrate with all my friends, and so I did. For weeks, we went out, and we had dinner, and we went and did fun things, and it was all on my dime. Right? I thought, oh my goodness, I can buy all the technology that I want. I can pay for everything that I want. I mean, I just bought and I bought and I bought. I bought Christmas presents for every person I knew. I mean, I was just living the generous life. Within one semester... By the time I went to school that January, I had spent every single dollar that I had been given when I turned 18. I went to school with absolutely no money to cover tuition. And so I had to pay for it with student loans. I had to work extra hard. I mean, I squandered that 20 grand that was given to me, essentially. Here's the crazy thing. When I ended up graduating from from university about four and a half years later, I graduated with almost exactly $20,000 in student loan debt. The precise amount that I had been given when I turned 18. I look back on it now and I think, how could I have been so stupid? How in the world could I have squandered such a blessing? Why didn't somebody talk some sense into me? Where were my parents? Maybe it's their fault. I mean, seriously, this was an absolute waste I see now what I could not see then, that I was so focused on living in the moment and enjoying today that I failed to realize how my decisions today impact my future tomorrow. Any of you guys ever been there? Maybe you didn't squander 20 G's like me, but maybe you've made some decisions in your life in which you're like, oh gosh, I regret that. I wish yesterday I would have done something different so that today I'm not in the situation that I am. It's one of those moments that you look back on and all you can do is just go, hmm. I wish I could have that back, but I can't, so I guess we'll move forward. Um, We're in week four of this series that we're called Making Change, right? And in this series, we're challenging the assumptions that we have about money and debt and generosity, Now, look, I get it. Some of you guys are like, oh, geez, this is the first Sunday I ever visited this church and I walk in and what are they talking about? Money, I knew it, that's all the church wants. They're only after my money, I get that. Here's the deal though. Um, This is about money and it's about much more. This this message today, this whole series, yes, it's about finances, yes, it's about debt, yes, it's about living generously, but it's actually about a whole lot more. So I'll encourage you, like some of you I can already see are gathering your things, you're like, if they're talking about money, I'm out today, you know, now stay with us. I promise you it'll be worth your time because this is about more than just money. Now, over the course of the last four weeks, we've been talking about four big truths that we see from the scripture, four things that will help you make change, not just in your financial life, but also in your relational life, your spiritual life, and every... Every area, four truths, we've gone over them uh, each week. Remember we said uh, back in week one, less is more. Less is more. That was the week I had all the gummy bears, and I told you guys that having one handful with peace is better than having two handfuls if it leads to toil and chasing the wind. That's a verse from the book of Ecclesiastes. Then we said stress is bad, and we talked just about the numbers, about the average Canadian having 16 grand in credit card debt, and the fact that we want to live generously, but we don't have the margin with which to do it. Last week, we talked about the fact that giving is good, that giving frees our heart and our soul from the grip that possessions and money and status tend to have on us. And we give because God gives, right? That's our motivation because God is a giver. God is the one who gave to us when we didn't even deserve it. Today, though, we're going to be talking about the fact that tomorrow matters. Today, we're talking about the fact that tomorrow matters. This is what I failed to realize as an 18-year-old when I got that windfall, right? I failed to realize that tomorrow actually matters. But hey, let's be honest for a sec, we're all bad at recognizing this fact, aren't we? I'm not the only dummy here, okay? Some of you guys have also made mistakes. We all have a tendency to make decisions today that compromise our tomorrow, to do things that we regret. We do this in all areas of our life. We do it with our health, don't we? Let's not talk about finances for a sec. Let's just talk about health. We're like, I shouldn't have another slice of pizza. I know I'm going to regret this tomorrow, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do that. We do it in areas of relationships. We, we make decisions with people today that we end up regretting tomorrow. And of course, it's true when it comes to finances as well. We do things today that end up compromising or end up harming the future, the tomorrow that we really want. We live for today and we ignore the fact that tomorrow really does matter. Am I the only one that finds it very hard to say no to instant gratification? Like if you know you can get what you want in a moment, am I the only one that finds it really hard to say, no, I shouldn't do that, I should wait, or I should eat better? or I should not go out on a third date with this person, whatever it is, right? Like it is very, very easy when you can have what you want just like that. It is very easy to say no to ourselves in the moment. But the way that Jesus communicates, he tells us that the very best way that we can live is not to live just for the moment, but to live for tomorrow as well. That is to not only do what will make us happy today, but to do what will make us happy and free tomorrow and the next day and even on into eternity. In fact, Jesus illustrated this need to have a longer view in the decisions we make and the the way that we're directing and orienting our life. He illustrated the need for this in a really fascinating uh, piece of scripture. It's one of his most misunderstood teachings. It's probably one that you've heard before if you've been around church for a little while. And yet, I think a lot of times we get this wrong. We don't know exactly what Jesus means when he shares these words. And this is where we're going to be looking this morning. Matthew chapter number 6 um, We'll put the words here on the screen. You can follow along if you don't happen to have a copy of the Bible with you. Matthew chapter number six, we're going to read verses 19, 20, and 21. Look at what Jesus says. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Instead, he says, store up treasures in heaven where moths cannot and rust cannot destroy where thieves cannot break in and steal. And then he closes this teaching by saying, wherever your treasure is, there your desires will be also. Jesus says that we should not invest too heavily in earthly treasure that we shouldn't make decisions that are only based on today, only what will make us happy in the moment, but that we should live with a longer view in mind, that we should make decisions with tomorrow in mind, with eternity in mind. Now, why does Jesus say this? Is it because earthly treasures are bad? Is he like, oh, you like stuff too much, Dan. Shame, shame, I'm not happy with you. No, It's not because earthly treasures are bad. If you pay attention to what he writes and says in these verses, the reason that we shouldn't get too attached to stuff today is because earthly treasures are temporary. Not because they're bad, simply because they are temporary. See, according to Jesus, the real problem with stuff is that it wears out, it breaks, it gets replaced next year by a new model, People can steal it from you. The problem with stuff, with the stuff that money can buy, the problem with loving and getting our value and our joy from the things of this world is that it's only ever temporary. Earthly treasures are temporary. You know this is true, and I know this is true. When I think about that money that I got when I turned 18, this $20,000 windfall, I look at how I spent it. And I recognize now that I use that money to buy a car that today sits in a junkyard, right? Because earthly treasures are ultimately temporary. I ate meals that I don't remember, right? I bought gifts for girlfriends that I eventually dumped, (laughs) Earthly treasures are temporary. I bought clothes. I told you one of the things that I did with that money is I went out and bought a whole new wardrobe. You guys, I bought bootcut jeans because in the day, those were the stylish jeans. Today, it's the exact opposite. You don't want the ends of your jeans to flare out. You want them to taper in. And today, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing bootcut jeans. And yet, I spent my money on those things. I use this blessing of God to buy things that I couldn't hold on to. Earthly treasures are only ever temporary. I took this blessing from God, and when it was all said and done, I had nothing to show for it because I only invested it in stuff that wasn't ever going to last anyway. See, this is the point that Jesus wants to make here in in Matthew chapter number six, what he wants us to understand. Earthly treasures are not bad. It's okay to buy clothes. It's okay to have a car and all these different things, but... We've got to remind ourselves every single day, these things are only temporary. We cannot hold on to them and they cannot give us final and full joy and satisfaction. The thing that you want most deeply right now, there's probably something that you're like, oh, if I had an extra grand, I would love to go out and buy this or if I had an extra 10 grand or whatever. The thing that you want most, I know how bad you want it and I know how happy you think it's going to make you, but three years from now, you might not even have it anymore. Earthly treasures are only temporary. Um, I, I years later, years after I wasted this twenty grand that I got, I, I came across a verse in the book of Proverbs, and I think this is the verse that convinced me that the Bible was true. I'm not totally sure I believed it before this point, but when I read Proverbs chapter number twenty three, verse five, I was like, "Oh, the Bible is definitely true." Look at what it says. It says, "Cast but a glance at riches." and then they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Yep, that's exactly what happened. I mean, I had that money and then it was gone. It was not, I I couldn't use it anymore because earthly treasures are temporary. I live for today, but tomorrow really matters. A few weeks ago, we gave you guys a copy of a book. It was called The Treasure Principle. And If you weren't here uh, a couple weeks ago when we gave it, that's why you should come to church every Sunday because you never know when we're going to just give away free stuff. so we gave this book away and in it, there was a line that I thought was really, really powerful. And it summarizes what Jesus says in Matthew chapter number six. And it summarizes what I've learned and what you've probably experienced as well. Listen to what the author, Randy Alcorn says. He says, when Jesus warns us not to store up treasures for ourselves on earth, it's not be because wealth might be lost. It's because wealth will always be lost. Either it leaves us while we live or we leave it when we die. There are no exceptions. See, Jesus tells us that tomorrow matters, that today, sure, you can live for today, you can buy a bunch of stuff that will make you happy for a moment, but you, in the end, your things can never give you the joy that you're looking for. They can never satisfy you the way that you want them to. Earthly treasures are temporary. That's the problem. So then, what do we do about this? I mean, if tomorrow matters, which it does. If we want to make some changes, we want to experience more than what we have so far, what are we supposed to do? First, let me point out that this is not just about money, okay? I've told you guys that we're talking about money this uh, month, but it's about more than just finances. This is true of every single area of your life. Tomorrow matters. Today is temporary, and that means that we cannot derive our joy and our satisfaction from what we're experiencing only today. Some of you guys have had the very best week of your life this week. Like, I don't know what happened. Maybe you got 20 grand in the mail. Something good happened to you you and you're like, wow, this week has been amazing. I got to spend time with my family. I haven't seen my sister and my nephew in a couple of years. And so I got to go visit them. It was awesome. But can I remind you, can I remind myself that things will not always be this way. If you've had an amazing week, your circumstances will eventually change. Life will not always be awesome, will it? The things that you got this week, the memories that you made, they're not always going to be with you. But the, the Bible tells us the one thing we can count on is the fact that circumstances, situations, they will change. Now, some of you have not had the best week ever. You've had the worst week ever. You got bad news. You got an awful diagnosis. You're worried about what's gonna happen tomorrow when you go back to work. It has been a bad week for you. And I wanna remind you, things won't always be this way. Your circumstances will change. Things will get better from what you've been going through over the past couple days. So this is why Jesus reminds us, because earthly treasures are temporary, because our circumstances, they change from day to day. Jesus tells us that we shouldn't live our lives just for today. But we should live our lives for tomorrow and for eternity as well. We shouldn't get too attached to the stuff that we have or the circumstances uh, of what's going on in our lives in order to make ourselves happy. We could kind of um, illustrate our life with a little dot. I'll put this little dot here on the screen. Our life is like a little dot. And this little dot is earth, It's our existence, it's us from birth to death. And this dot, on the one hand, it lasts a long time. 70 or 80 years in most cases, right? This dot is around for quite a while. And yet, on the other hand, the dot really isn't around for all that long, is it? Seven or eight decades, when you actually think about it, it's gone in the blink of an eye. It's here, and then it's not anymore. And so here's the thing, most people in our world, even a lot of Christians, live their lives as if the dot is all we get. That's it. We live for this dot, we live for the moment. We spend all of our time and energy and resources trying to gain things to make the dot the best the dot can possibly be. In fact, most people believe that because the dot is so short and because the dot is all we're ever going to get, that we've got to make the most out of it. We've got to buy things that we can't keep, right? Because earthly treasures are temporary. We're going to seek pleasure that doesn't really satisfy us in the long run. We're going to spend our time and energy building legacies that quite frankly, nobody's going to remember. We invest in the dot. We live for the dot as if the dot is all there is. We live with no thought of what comes after the dot don't we? We focus on these years, this life, what we can have right now. We don't think about tomorrow. We definitely don't think about eternity. But according to Jesus, the dot is not all there is. This life that you're living right now is not all there is. That after the dot doesn't come a blank. That's what an atheist would say, right? You get the dot and then there's nothing. After the dot doesn't come another dot or a series of dots. That's what our Buddhist and our Hindu friends would tell us. You just get another dot and another dot and another dot and another dot as you're reincarnated. According to Jesus, we all get the dot. And then after the dot comes a line that extends into eternity. A line that never, ever ends. See, what Jesus says is that you were not created for seven or eight decades only. You were not created only for the dot, that you were created for eternity, to spend eternity with your creator. And so when the dot ends, every single one of us will enter the line. And while the dot is temporary, while the dot only lasts for a few decades, the line goes on forever and ever and ever See, Jesus' point is that we could spend our dot living for the dot. We could focus on having and and gaining and buying and selling, and we can derive all of our value, all of our happiness, all of our joy from what we do just in the dot and for the sake of the dot. Or we can store up treasures in heaven Or we can invest not just in the dot, but we can invest in the line. Now, again, I wanna point out, guys, Jesus is not saying here that the dot, life, treasures on earth are bad, only that the treasures of earth, the dot, it pales in comparison to the line. What you're gaining, excuse me, what you're gaining in the line is much greater than what you experience in the dot. So C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors. I've told you guys before, I have a man crush on him. I mean, I've got a man crush on rock stars and athletes and stuff, but I also have a man crush on C.S. Lewis. And he's got this great line in a book he wrote called The Weight of Glory. And he says this, I'll put it here on the screen. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. He says, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Jesus' point is, you can live with a dot, and you'll experience a little bit of joy, a little bit of happiness, or you can live for the line. You can actually use the dot in such a way that it pays off when it's time to live out the line. See, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter number six, they become a challenge to me and to you. It becomes a a, a challenge. Am I gonna live for today or am I gonna live for tomorrow? Am I gonna use my resources for earth or am I gonna use my resources for heaven? Am I going to choose to invest in the dot or am I going to choose to live for the line, the thing that never ends? Am I going to build my own castle or am I going to build the kingdom of God? Which one am I living for? Which one are you living for? Are you living for this moment, this temporary thing, this today, this life that you've been given, or are you living for the eternity that you will eventually move into? One of the things that I have to wrestle with is like, what's more important, that I drive a new car or that people hear the gospel? Truly, I've asked myself that question. Which one really matters more? What matters more? that I use my resources on myself or that I invest them in something that can never be taken away, in something that will never be stolen, in something that will never be broken, something that will continue to pay off, not just three months or three years, but three million years from now when it comes to eternity. Jesus told one more story that illustrates kind of this idea that, you know, tomorrow matters and we shouldn't only live for joy and possessions in the moment. We should also live for tomorrow. So <clears throat> check out what he says here in the book of Matthew as well. Chapter number 13, verse 44. Jesus says this, he tells this one line story. Uh, can we put that on the screen? Thanks, Matthew 13, 44. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. So he says, imagine a guy who's walking around and he's crossing a field, taking a shortcut. There were no fences back in his day. People just kind of wandered. And as he's walking along, somehow or another, he trips over something and he's like, what the heck is that? And he goes back and looks and he finds a treasure that's been buried in the field. And the Bible says in his excitement or in his joy, he hid the treasure again and he sold everything he owned so that he could get enough to buy the field right? This is what Jesus says, the, the, the line, the, the kingdom of heaven is like. It is like a treasure that's been hidden, and when you discover it, you'd be willing to do anything in order to keep it, in order to hold on to it. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself, I, I did as I was reading it this week, why didn't the guy just take the treasure? Because I'll be honest with you, I'm probably a bad person, but like if I stumbled over the treasure, I'd be like, there's nobody around, I'm taking it, and I would run away, Right? Why didn't the guy just take the treasure? Well, the reason is because in in ancient times, the law said that whatever was on somebody's property was the uh, property of the owner, okay? So if there was a buried treasure, whoever owned that field was the one who had the rights to it. And if homeboy who was walking down the road just swiped the, the chest of gold or whatever the heck it was and he ran away with it, At any moment, somebody could find out, oh, you took that from that field. Where'd you get that treasure? Well, I found it. Where'd you find it? Over in this field. Well, it's not yours. You've got to give it back. He knew that he could lose the treasure if he didn't do it the right way. And so the Bible says he invests everything he has. He's willing to sell off everything he owns so that he can go back and buy the property and get a treasure that cannot be taken from him. You see? Can you imagine his family and his friends? Like, can you imagine his people being like, "Hey, dude." Like, yeah, they don't know what's going on. They just think he's going crazy selling off everything trying to buy this piece of property. And so they're like, "You know, that's a nice piece of property and all, but seriously, it's not worth selling everything you own. What's gotten into you? What are you doing? Like, you're just going crazy with all of these things." I can imagine his family sitting around the Christmas dinner table, you know, and somebody's like, "Have you heard about Uncle Gary? He's just gone crazy. I don't know what's gotten into that guy." But he's He sold his truck. He sold Aunt Carol's jewelry. She's freaking out because he wants to buy some piece of property up by Didsbury. Nobody knows what's gotten into this dude, but he seems to have gone nuts. Now, here's the thing. Uncle Gary knows something that nobody else does. There is a treasure that cannot be taken from him. He knows that he can invest his dot resources into a line resource. He can gain something that he cannot lose. And what he gains is of infinitely more value than anything he gives up. The point Jesus is making here, the thing that he wants me and you to understand is that the treasures of heaven are worth any sacrifice on earth. The treasures of heaven are worth any sacrifice on earth. Listen, you and I, we live our lives as if the dot is all there is, as if our goal is to make ourselves as happy as possible in the 70 or 80 years we have, and then that's it. But Jesus continually reminds us that there is a tomorrow and that tomorrow matters. That when you pass from this dot, It's not a blank space. It's not another dot. There is a line. There is an eternity. And you can choose now to live for the dot or to choose for, to live for eternity. Uh, Jim Elliott's a famous missionary. And uh, he he gave his life. He actually was killed uh, bringing the gospel to a tribe in Ecuador. And he had this to say, um, it's one of his great lines, it's a very famous quote. He says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. This is kind of the challenge that Jesus makes to me and to you. Are we going to try to hold on to things that we cannot keep? Are we going to cling to earthly treasures that we can't take with us, things that are going to break, things that are going to get worn out, things that are going to be broken into and stolen? Are we going to cling to those things or are we going to reorient our lives and stop living for the dot and start living for the line? Jesus also says in Matthew chapter number 19, anyone who's given up anything for my sake, whether property or family, will receive 100 times as much and he will inherit eternal life. When you choose to live for the line instead of the dot, when you invest your life, your resources, your time, your energy, when you give it to eternity, Jesus promises it compounds and it pays out, not just for a little while, but forever And so you've got the opportunity to ask yourself, how can I invest in eternity? How can I do something with my life that will outlast my life? How can I use my dot so that when the line comes, my dot still lives on? So that my resources continue to make a difference both here on earth and in eternity. I'm gonna give you just three simple ways. There are lots of them. But I'll give you three simple ways that you can invest in eternity. Ways that you can not just live for the dot, but also live for the line. Use whatever God has blessed you with to make a difference in other people's lives and in other people's eternities. You can invest in eternity through your time. You can. Everybody has the exact same amount of time. You could sit here and say, Dan, I don't have money. I don't have as much money as that person. But you know what you do have? You have exactly the same amount of time as I do or anybody else does. And so you can use time, which is your most valuable resource. You can use that, not just for the dot, but also for the line, not just for earth, but also for heaven, not just for here, but for then we would encourage you to get involved on the Dream Team, like to donate, to volunteer, to invest an hour or two a week on our team here at the church. We have hundreds of volunteers that help make Sundays happen. And some of you have been sitting in the seats for a long time and you're like, okay, this is good and all, but I feel like I'm missing out something. And that's because you were created to invest your time into something, into the line, into eternity. And so listen, I would just challenge you, get out of the seats and onto a serve team. Find a way that you can use your time and invest it in the life to come. You could also donate your talent. You say, Dan, I don't have any talent. Yes, you do. You may not realize you have talent, but you do. And in fact, we are here to help you discover the talent that God has placed inside of you. We have a a class called Next Steps. It happens right after our 10.30 service every single Sunday, and it's an opportunity for you to discover who God made you to be and what talents and gifts and abilities you have, whether you know you have them or you don't. And then you can use those talents in a way that serves the line instead of just the dot. And then you can contribute your treasure as well. You can give, you can use the finances you have. Listen, you can take your money, you can spend it on anything. I'm not pressuring you. I'm not making you feel guilty. I'm just telling you that if you use your treasure only for the dot, you're buying temporary things. They will not last. You cannot take them with you. Or you can choose to use some of your resources for the line, for eternity. You can use them in such a way that not just today, but all of tomorrow will be changed as well. Those are three easy starting points. Get involved on the dream team. 10 next steps. Like seriously, go grab some coffee this morning and then come back at 1130 and go shop at the mall, whatever. Come back at 1130. It's step one today. You have the opportunity to discover your talents and how you can invest them in eternity. And then you have the opportunity to give as well. Again, no pressure, but I'm just saying you can use it for the dot or you can use it for the line. Hey, I'm going to invite some friends of mine to the stage who are going to talk to you about some changes that they've been able to make in their life because they've stopped living just for the dot and started living for the entire line. So you guys, welcome to the stage, Kim and David Roman. Many of you guys know them. They are some of our favorite people on the planet. And I'll tell you, Kim and David Roman are sharing their story today and what they've experienced and changes that God has brought about in their life. And we're not putting them up here because they're saints and they get everything right. No, look at them. Aren't they so holy and perfect and da, 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 da. No, they're not. Instead, what we do is we put people like them up on the stage because we want you to know that people really do follow the teachings of the Bible when it comes to their finances and relationships and all those different things. They're just normal folks like you.
1: And yet God has done something incredible because they've chosen to trust him. A year ago, uh, Kim and I were figuring out how long it would take to pay off our debt. At the time, we were $47,000 in debt, and we figured out it was going to take us at least five years to pay off at the rate we were going. Around the same time, Financial Peace University came up as a connect group. Uh, We decided to check it out because we had nothing to lose.
2: I was not so confident in this decision. Um, I was already in three or four other Connect groups at the time and just kind of shooed David on his way and was like, this is a boy job. You go handle our finances. Um, But I ended up joining him the second week because I'm a sucker. Um, I had always been really good with money, so I thought, like, I didn't need this group, whatever. Um, I love to budget and be organized, but I learned so much more by attending this group. Um, Yeah, so...
1: After completing the group, we learned what the Bible says about finances. Before the group, we were making a budget, and God always came last. Whatever we had left after the bills, we would give to the church part of that. In the group, we learned we need to tithe first right off the top of our budget. It was hard to do that, considering that 10% of our income could have been going toward our debt.
2: Um, And then last week, Pastor Dan talked about how giving is uncomfortable, and boy did we feel it. It stretches our faith and makes us rely on God's provision for our needs. This was definitely the case for us, and to be honest, it still is the case. It's hard. Uh, Neither mine nor David's income is steady or reliable. Um, David works for himself, so it's just really up in the air when he's going to get paid, what it's going to be. But still, we make a commitment to tithe our 10% right off the bat every single month.
1: God wants us to be stewards of his money. Everything is his to begin with anyways. He blesses us with the things we have and he wants us to use it properly. So we trusted him and took a leap of faith and we started giving 10% off the top of our budget. Proverbs 6, 1-5 says, My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself in agreement, And are caught by what you said follow my advice and save yourself for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy now swallow your pride go and beg to have your name erased don't put it off do it now don't rest until you do save yourself like a gazelle escaping a hunter God says that it's not a sin to be in debt but he also says that to get out of debt as fast as you can which seem which means making sacrifices on the things we want and focusing on the things that we need. We don't need to make more money, we just need to use what God has given us wisely.
2: This was also especially hard for us. Uh, Some of us more than others, David is very social, uh, very much an extrovert, gets his energy from being around people. And a lot of times that comes with going out and going to dinner and just going out for certain things with friends and that all adds up. So we had to decide what was most important, what we were going to budget for at the beginning of the month, um, things that were important to the kingdom, things that were important to um, our faith journey and growing in Christ. And if we didn't budget for something we had to say no and it hurts it hurts to say no to your friends and say sorry guys we can't do this this month but it hurts even more when we say to god our debt is less important than saying no
1: after a few months of seeing what god was doing with our budget we started giving outside of our tithing kim and i went on a mission trip to texas with connect last spring and was committed to paying the 2000 that it would cost a few months before we had actually had the money saved. We knew that we were supposed to go on the trip, but we didn't know how we would come up with that much money.
2: So in March, we went to visit my family, um, and a few of them offered to help us out with our trip. They ended up uh, funding the entire thing for both of us. Um, so we took that extra money that we had planned on spending for our trip and were able to help other people who were going on the mission trip who were struggling because God had already provided for us.
1: As of Friday, this last Friday, we are 100% debt-free. <laughs> <Woo! laughs> going forward, we are going to continue to follow the Bible, biblical principles we have learned in financial peace and during the series at Connect. Connect. We continue to pray that God gives us self-control, understanding, and a plan for not only our financial situation, but our life going forward. We trust Him with it all.
0: Oh, you guys. That is amazing. Like, how much guts does it stand does it take to stand up here and to talk about your financial situation? Anybody else want to get up here and tell us how much debt they have? Or no, of course not. But listen. People like David and Kim have discovered that the teachings on Jesus when it comes to money, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to worship, when it comes to every area of our life are true. And if you'll trust them, if you'll live not just for the dot, not just for the moment, because the moment leads to debt, it leads to fighting, it leads to anxiety, it leads to anger, living for the dot leads to nothing but dissatisfaction. If you'll live for the line, if you'll live for eternity, if you'll start thinking about how am I using my life to make a difference in the tomorrow to come, everything changes. You find peace. You find joy. You find generosity. You have an opportunity to invest your life in something that will never, ever be taken